Good afternoon and welcome to another Digital Week. My friend Michael Roseman. And Monica Bradley. Great to see you here again. Yeah, excellent. And today we're joined um, in the podcast studio by our wonderful friend, Trent Lunt from PwC. Hello. Hello to both of you. Good to, good to be here with you. Get to join one of these. Trent, lovely to see you again. You and your socks, same socks you wear last time. So you, you like consistency? Well, now they've got their own hashtag. I, I thought I had to wear them back up here, uh, up here again. Consistency, Monica, we talked a lot about consistency and this is often the biggest enemy in the digital economy. Um, what is your thought on, on disruption and consistency? Oh, disrupt, disruption. My life is one big disruption, I think. I welcome self-disruption. That's kind of my theme is uh, you can either disrupt or be disrupted and I tend to be on the disrupt end. For instance, um, my gym has just inserted this new kind of disruption tool where we all wear our Fitbits and we broadcast up onto the screen our results as we're going through our workouts and there's something about competition, sweat, gyms that really gets me working harder. What about you, Michael? What disrupts you? Well, typically it's a TV schedule that enforces uh, early morning uh, TV channels and I'm just too reluctant to sleep in to see this late. Um, Trent, what about you? You're in the world of consulting and disrupting others. Um, what is easier to disrupt others or yourself? Look, uh, it, it's always easier to talk about disrupting others than disrupt yourself. Um, when you're disrupting yourself, you're, uh, you've got to remind yourself to be dispassionate, uh, be willing to let a couple of a couple of things go. I think that's that's kind of the key to the disruption storyline right now is you know, many businesses do very, very well. Uh, it's how do you become willing to challenge the things that are comfortable and disrupt them yourself before somebody else does? And how much is too much disruption uh, in, in a business life when you've also got, we all have goals that need to be met, uh, performance targets that need to be met. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the examples of how you're doing that with corporates today? Sure. I mean, I can talk about ourselves at, uh, at PwC. We're, we're a, a great living example. We're, uh, you know, we've been in business for a long, long time. We're, we're an entrenched you know, brand and you know, there are many parts of our business that have been you know, successful year on year on year through that time. Uh, but we've got some major changes in, in the landscape. Uh, technology is probably the most obvious and the most, most spoken about. Uh, and that's forcing us to really relook at the services that we might be willing to be comfortable with, that we think will continue to sustain be here next year. And actually just apply different business, mo business models to, you know, to those services and try and turn them upside down. I noticed when we had um, our friend from the Future of Workout, you know, professor from the UK last week. Michael Osborne, yeah. Yeah, Michael. So, uh, who was that, Michael? Michael, Michael Osborne from Oxford University, uh, who talked about that potentially 47% of all jobs in the years to come, using the US as an example, will be gone. And at the top of that list was tax accountants. Tax accountants, and I think the accommodation industry, so quite a lot of industries, um, and I think also consulting was one of those areas. So what you say here, Trent, is you, you better be your own devil? Uh, most certainly. In fact, uh, only last week, I think all those topics were being well and truly spoken about. Our, our own CEO um, put probably some harsher numbers uh, to bear around uh, around the accounting uh, accounting profession and uh, professional services in general. But, but I would say to your question, better to be your own devil, better to be in control of your own destiny. The, the saying we use internally is, uh, you know, uh, disruption is not a very good spectator sport. 
And can you tell us, um, self-disruption, is this a term that you use in public when you talk about your own transformation or is this an internal term that's under the radar? It's a little under the radar at the moment. Uh, everybody uh, is talking about disruption or digital disruption, how, how rapidly business models are, are changing. But it, the, really the discussion has been around outside companies in. It's what Uber has been able to achieve in transforming, you know, existing models such as taxis, uh, you know, taxi companies more, more broadly. Uh, whereas when we think about self-disrupt, it's actually how do you start to apply that type of thinking to your own business, to the things that you get out of bed of a morning and do day in, day out, um, and you expect to be doing them tomorrow. How do you just pause and apply a little bit of rigor to testing uh, their vulnerability? Uh, and the second element to it, is disruption's not all negative. Uh, disruption's got a really wonderful positive side, which is where are those pockets uh, of growth or potential that you've just overlooked historically because actually your existing business model made them appear too expensive uh, to really pursue? They're, they're the two areas that we look at. So is self-disruption growing and destroying at the same time? Exactly that. Replacing is the right mm. way to think about it. Uh, somewhat of it, it's taking control or setting your own trajectory of change. So that is um, being willing to take something that exists today, see how vulnerable it is, seek to disrupt it by creating an entirely new way of either delivering that service or experience or an entirely new service or experience. Um, for our view, uh, it's better to do that, to give ourselves the time uh, to apply the controls, to transform our people, give them the opportunity to reshape their careers is one obvious example. Trent, some of uh, the disruption uh, that some of my corporate colleagues struggle with is this idea of where do I get my information? How do I make good judgments about these things? So, you know, where are you working to develop sensors into the marketplace or different techniques or engagements with different thinkers that are helping you make sense of that market, that area of disruption? Yeah, great, great question, and and this comes up all the time. We have there's two elements to this. At PwC, we have the luxury of being a professional services firm, so we're you know six thousand people out there connected with nearly every organisation uh, across Australia, as well as our global colleagues. So so we collect a lot of information in house ourselves, but. Uh, actually, the digital chair uh, here uh, in Queensland is is one of those um, really important elements of of working, bringing that outside in perspective. It's one thing to have all the insights we feel we have, but they have our own biases attached. Uh, so part of the reason for the development of the chair, together with QT, Queensland Government, and uh, Brisbane City, is get some outside in perspective. Uh, look at our opportunities and problems with a different set of eyes. And are you seeing that that's developing um, wider collaborations and agreements for corporates? Well, I, I think it, it has to. Uh, it, it's early days yet. I, I think a vulnerability I still see in Australia is we're not very good at, at what I would call co-creation. Uh, we've spent so much time building up our fortresses and our empires uh, of large, successful businesses. We've kind of lost the art of um, bringing together um, strategic alliances very quickly to explore something new. Um, you know, typically, the, uh, the, the path of legal, mm. legal documentation takes longer than what the opportunity perhaps uh, is alive for in the market. So, so yes, the experimentation starting, but I, I think we're actually, we, we lack some of the real, uh, the real skills or environment to be able to, uh, to tackle that element. 
And I guess some of what we're seeing and certainly what we find through the PwC Chair and the Digital Economy here at QUT is that having access to your accelerators and innovation hubs in the three capital cities really provides us with, if you like, uh, we can do some research here at the university, we do some exploring and, and making sense, but that, that hard, cold edge of putting us into a process to really test and validate these experiments for new growth areas is really imperative. How are you finding the acceptance in the marketplace of the innovation centres? Yeah, I, look, where that's an area we're just getting incredibly positive feedback. It's the feedback's coming from two ends. One is that it's difficult to explore today, both cost of exploration, access to the diversity of talent pool, um, people with who are real truly digital natives or STEM practitioners um, that you know your future workforce. Um, how do you get access to that talent talent just to explore? Um, but how do you do it in a way that forces you to apply that learning very quickly, that hard edge to make sure there's actually a return. Um, you've come up with a great concept that you think fulfills a need, but how do you get in and explore it beyond the research, actually explore it in practice? And that's, that's where I think a lot of the power of this model is starting to come to bear. There seem to be two facets to disruption. One is what I'm doing, I explore, but then also what I'm expecting. So how many of the organizations that you're working with disrupt their expectations and walk away from a brutal return on investment calculation? Yeah, so, um, so to date of all the work we've done in the innovation environment and, and within the hubs, as well as associated with the chair, um, overwhelming, it's the disruptive thinking that people have valued in the first instance. It's the opportunity to park their biases and explore something from a different perspective. That that actually in and of itself is valuable. Uh, you remember, you know, business today is so much busier than it once was and people don't take much time to uh, smell the roses, as they say. So um, creating formal opportunities to, to stop and smell the roses and, and actually second guess yourself is actually healthy. And Monica, you work with sort of boards and directors across a very variety of industries. How many of them recognize that they need to disrupt themselves? Is, is self-disruption a term we find in the boardroom? Not currently. Uh, what we are finding is a very aggressive dialogue about digital uh, judgment. How do, you, how do you make digital literacy at the boardroom table? Um, in fact, we were with the Governance Institute of Australia last week and uh, at a luncheon there, and it was the topic of discussion. And certainly the PwC chair and the digital economy is looking, working very closely with a number of directors, representative bodies, to help really put together that toolkit of how do I make sense and how do I use a good judgment when, board of, when items are coming to the board table for evaluation and decision. Well, I mean, in this market, Monica, you know, as we see new value created uh, by organisations at, at you know, alarmingly fast, fast rate, not alarming if you're a shareholder, of course, uh, but equally the demise of some of the traditional models, and it kind of begs the question of what is the obligation of, of boards today? How, how much of this do they need to understand uh, to, to make the right governance decisions to uh, to put the right pressure on the uh, on the chosen executive teams. Well, and if, to me, and Michael, you probably would explore more, it's a mindset, and you said yourself that some of the disruptive mindset was most helpful at this present time to climates, but to but in boards, what we've tended to do is actually appoint people that have really good domain experience, and almost in the age of disruption, actually having diversity of domains is more helpful because obviously the disruption is not necessarily coming from within your domain. Michael? Yes, I think we know a lot 
and talking as a, as a researcher now, we know a lot about how to create business models. I don't think we know a lot about how to disrupt business models. And I believe the, the idea of disruption, self-disruption, is an entire discipline in the making. A, a massive research opportunity, uh, how you co-disrupt with partners. So this is uh, no doubt another playground for the PwC chair in digital economy. And I hope that in years to come we walk away uh, with a much better understanding of how we self-disrupt. Uh, but, but for now, Trent, what do you believe are the one or two key success factors of, of highly successful self-disruption? Yeah, look, the, uh, the, the very first is actually um, organisations who, who do it with purpose. So, so that is, um, it's not, this is not just something that you react to once there's changes in the marketplace. This is actually being purposeful about systematically assessing your vulnerabilities uh, and systematically exploring areas where there's new opportunity. Um, you won't find that vulnerability or opportunities in the first round, but this becomes something that you've got to continuously do and bring it into just part of your corporate mindset. So I would say disruptive thinking is, is probably going to be one of the more powerful tools uh, in, in this digital era for business. That's, that's to me, step one. Mm. And in my area, I think it's definitely anchors you back to start with why. Why do you exist as an organisation and stay true to that? Then blow up all your assumptions that you've held, you know, look at things differently, welcome in senses from the outside world so that you can really ask people that don't have deep domain experience in your area, how would you do banking? How do you exchange value? It's even the vocabulary you really need to challenge. I agree. But still, like the why also requires some sense of urgency. And do I self-disrupt because I have to, but I might be too late, or because I can? Uh, because I see can enter new revenue opportunities. Um, and this is where I think the digital economy gives us these two value propositions. Uh, move early and you self-disrupt while you can down the track, you might have to. But you also remember, Michael, it's not the whole organisation. We're not in a battle for the, the whole lot. We can keep our business as usual, continue on. You know, you would probably find that trend. There's a business as usual business that has to run effectively and efficiently and will continue probably for some many decades to reap some utility and benefit. You know, this is about then and where am I finding my seeds for growth and where are the bits of my business that I need to migrate out? Yeah, this a great point, Monica. The, it, it doesn't have to be the entire business right away. In fact, um, you, while you want disruptive thinking and it's healthy, you've got to balance that with the risk of chaos. Uh, so if every single person in your organisation uh, woke up tomorrow and decided to embrace disruptive thinking and stop what they were doing and try and find alternative paths, although you may create some amazing things, uh, the very lifeblood of your business, which is the cash flow of today and its current success will be put under threat. So you know, it's keeping that balance. It's being having an intention from the, from the senior executive level, being purposeful, but also being balanced in where you place that exploration. Trent, as usual, it's been an absolute delight to spend some time with you in your uh, socks. Uh, follow us at, uh, at Chair Digital Economy. We welcome your feedback and the opportunities to give us suggestions of topics you'd like to hear addressed. Michael? Thanks, Monica. Uh, Trent, lovely to have you here. We look forward to co-disrupt with you. And again, Monica, lovely to see you. We continue our conversation around the smart city in our next podcast. Wonderful. Proud to be your guest. Mm -hmm.